Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. We're going to do something a little different today. I'm going to teach you some things, but I'm going to teach it in a little different way, and then we're going to take communion together. And I probably should have had you... I probably should have had you grab communion. Do all y'all have little communion cups? If you do not have a communion cup, right now would be a great time to go grab some. And if you and if, check with your neighbors, see if they have them. You can grab some at the at the top here. If you don't have sermon notes, you can grab them. And in a few minutes, don't open them now. We'll get into those here in a minute. Usually on fifth Sundays, we try to take communion, and COVID threw us off on that, and and so we're gonna come back into that. Um, I want to talk to you about the table of the Lord and the table of the Lord communion. When we talk about communion. We, it's called the, the Lord's table or the table of the Lord or the communion table, communion supper. And there's lots of scriptures I could go through, but I actually feel like I need to start with Psalm 23. So you know Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Shall not want, I shall not lack. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the... Look at y'all. He restores my soul. The Lord restores my soul. This whole thing is a pathway. So he's your shepherd. He does all the stuff that we just talked about for the purpose of restoring your soul. And when he restores your soul, then the next phase kicks in. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. So my, my soul is restored and, and being, re, being restored. So then he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And, and now watch this, I'm still walking on the paths of righteousness, but sometimes the righteous path leads right through the valley of the shadow of death. So he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, not for my sake, for his sake. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. You are with me. A lot more I could say about that, but just the presence of the Lord in your life is key. And some of you have mistakenly concluded that because there is the presence of fear or the presence of anxiety or the presence of frustration that you think there, there is the absence of the Lord. And that's not true. Through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because... You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, a staff for a shepherd is something that guides and, and leads. It doesn't whoop the sheep. It doesn't beat the sheep. It, it, it guides. The staff guides. Like if a shepherd or a sheep is walking by a cliff, there's a staff that helps guide them and nudges them with little nudges. Anybody ever had a nudge from the Lord? The rod is a smaller thing that's used almost like to, as a weapon to be able to throw against a wolf. So the rod is the authority against the enemy, against the wolf, but the staff is the authority in the, in the believer's or the sheep's life to nudge you along the way and lead you. 
So your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. Uh, and there's a whole part about that. I'm just, it's so hard to let it go. It's so hard to let it go. But then this next phase, this next phase is so cool. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then watch this. So now I'm restored so I can walk in a path. And I'm walking on the path, and the path of righteousness ends up going through the valley of the shadow of death, where death is very intimidating, and darkness is very intimidating. But I don't have to fear because the Lord is with me. His staff, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. And now we get to this next part. He prepares a table before me. In the very presence of my enemies. When you are fully walking in God's presence, the presence of your enemy is an opportunity, not an opposition. Any strong athlete who has any sense of championship in him, any sense of like victory in him, gets excited when the enemy gets on the field. When the opponent gets on the field. Oh, you want some? You're going to get some. You're going to try this? So as a believer in Christ, you have to know who you are. Because like I said to the kids, he who's in you is greater than he who's in the world. And your father, God, prepares a table for you. I want you to know this. God has prepared a table for you. And if the table is done right, even your enemies will be present. So that you and them can both be reminded who the victor is. The table of the Lord. Now there's a whole lot I could go into about the table of the Lord. But I want you to know about this table of the Lord is, is the communion table. Now depending on what kind of church you were raised in or what kind of church tradition, some of y'all don't know anything about communion. Some of you know a little bit about communion. Some of you, you know, know whatever. Um... But, but, you know, little bits or, or, or nothing at all. But the communion table, it's not about the elements. It's not about the bread. It's not about the wine. It's not about the, the juice. It's not about the elements. Those elements are symbolic. It's not about the elements. Just like bat, water baptism, the other ordinance in the kingdom of God, is not about the water. It's about your faith and the meaning you assign to it, the meaning you attach to the, the act of worship of being baptized in water and what that means to you. The water has no power. Your faith does. The bread and the juice have no power. Some of you have been taught, no, they get turned into the body of Christ. No, they don't. No, they don't. Because the Christ is not in the bread and the Christ is not in the juice. The Christ is in you. It's in you. So if you want to talk about supernatural and miraculous, don't give credit to the bread. Don't give credit to the juice. Give credit to the Christ in you. There's a king inside of you if you're born again. If you've given your life to Christ, there's a king who lives inside of you, who rules and reigns forever, and he prepares a table for you, and that table is a covenant table. Because anytime God is in relationship, put it this way, God does not enter into relationship apart from covenant. And covenant is the highest form of relationship. It's the highest form of agreement. It's the highest form of submission. Sarah just talked about her and I in marriage. We're, we're in covenant because that's what the Bible calls a marriage, a covenant relationship, which is a shadow and type of the supernatural covenant we enter in with, with Christ. 
where the, the two in a covenant, two become one. It's not a contract and it's not just a human agreement based on human terms or human conditions that can be broken based on uh, some kind of disclosure statement or some kind of loophole. It's not a man's agreement. It is a supernatural agreement. It is agreement at the highest level. And it's all in. It's all your chips in. It's all your life in. It's everything comes to the table. So God does not begin relationship without covenant. And covenant cannot happen without sacrifice. So in order for two to become one, something that is one must become two. That's why Jesus on the cross, my God, he didn't say it twice. In your Bible, it's written twice. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's written twice to put emphasis that he said it once with passion. My God, why have you forsaken me? So he was forsaken so that you would never have to be. And I could go back into the Abrahamic covenant and go into all kinds of stuff about how the animals were split in two and all that stuff representing the covenant of the Lord. But all this is a foreshadow of Christ. Fully God, but yet became fully man and was separated from his father because he took upon our sin. And then through his death, burial, and resurrection was, was reunited. And when we put our faith, not in our works, not in our ability to do right, because if you haven't noticed, your ability to do right is not that strong. You and I can't get there from here. So Jesus came to do what we could not do and what the law could not do. He became sin for us. He took our sin by faith. He didn't do the sin that you did. He didn't smoke the stuff that you smoked. He didn't do the stuff that you did. He didn't lie the lies that you told. He didn't do the things that you did. And I almost went preaching, but then I remember kids were in here, so I stopped. He didn't do the stuff that you did. He didn't earn your sin. He took your sin by faith. And in his death, he brought death to your sin. Paid the full penalty. He didn't sweep it under the rug and ignore it and just cook the books and erase it off the books. He paid it in full. Paid it in full. He didn't go through some loophole. He went to the cross. Paid it in full. And then in his death, he brought death to your sin, death to your shame, death to your guilt. And in his resurrection... He comes to give you his life, his righteousness in you, his peace in you, his relationship with the father given to you. And he asks you not to take his life by works because you can't. You take his life the same way he took your sin. By faith. By faith, Lord, I receive the resurrected Lord that the Bible says in Romans chapter eight, the same spirit. That raised, that, gave, that raised Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal body. Christ in you. Christ in you. You become a new creation. Somebody tied us back to the table. Because Psalm 23 is a prophetic, a prophetic picture of what it means to live in the kingdom of God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Mm. 
Then he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, still on this path of righteousness, but in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because the authority of God's staff and the authority of God's rod are there to comfort me. And then I watch as I'm walking through the valley. What do I look for? As I'm walking through the valley and the enemy is present and he's trying to intimidate me and manipulate me and seduce me, trying to talk me out of who Jesus died to bring me into, trying to distract me, trying to deceive me. He can't keep me from going to heaven, but the enemy will try to keep me from bringing heaven to earth. So what am I looking for when I'm walking through the valley? I don't look at the darkness. I don't look at the darkness around me. I look at the table the Lord's prepared for me. Because the table is a covenant table. It's a covenant table. And I've done this before in other teachings, but you need basically really two kinds of tables in your life. And they're tables of the Lord. And it's communion because it's covenant. So communion is a covenant meal. And I left my, I left my covenant meal over here. Let me get my covenant meal. Yes. Yes. Convenient covenant meal. That is childproof. Hard to open. Don't you open yours yet. Don't you? Don't. So, praise the Lord. It's victory. Just open up that first part. And the second part. You know what this reminds me of? The butter packets at Cracker Barrel. It's enough to make a preacher pray. (laughs) Y'all knew what I was about to say. (laughs) So, so this is a, this is a covenant meal, the bread, which is the body of Christ, the blood, which is the blood of Christ. There's so much I could talk about through the Bible, but it's Christ because Christ is our covenant. He's the living bread and his, his, his is the precious divine blood. That was the sacrifice. His body was broken. His blood was given. He was separated from the father, then reunited back to the father, but he was separated so that we could be brought into relationship with him. And this is all representative of the table of the Lord. We come to the table of the Lord to remember. We come to the table of the Lord to remind ourselves who He is and who we are in Him. We come to reflect on that and remember this and get stirred up on this and and remember who we are because the valley of the shadow of death will lie to you. It'll make you forget who you are. It'll make you forget whose you are. It'll make you forget your assignment. So he prepares a table so that we will be reminded of who he is and who we are in him. To be reminded that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Because covenant, because of his covenant promises, not because of my performance, not because of my ability, but because of the covenant promises of God. That he could swear by no one greater, so he swore by himself. So his body and his blood made the fulfillment. All the promises of God have their yes and amen in Christ. In his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, in his broken body, in his blood that was given for us. And when we put faith in his broken body, we put faith in his blood. It is a covenant relationship. The two become one. 
It's not just I take some bread and take some blood and, oh, I believe in Jesus, go on and do my thing. That's religion. That's church. But covenant, covenant relationship is Jesus brought all he was to the table and I bring all I am to the table and there's an exchange. The table is the cross. There's an exchange. And at this exchange, all of my sin goes to Him. All of my guilt goes to Him. All of my shame goes to Him upon the cross. And He brings it to a grave to be, <clears throat> to be buried. And what God says about it in His covenant promises, I will remember your sins no more. So coming to the table is remembering what to forget and remembering what to remember. Because all of his righteousness comes to me. And now I become the righteousness of God in Christ. Not because of my behavior. I may have unrighteous behavior. This is going to blow some of y'all's mind. But my unrighteous behavior. My unrighteous behavior in Christ does not make me unrighteous. Because I have a righteousness by faith. Do we need to deal with unrighteous behavior? Absolutely. Absolutely. But your unrighteous behavior does not make you unrighteous. Just like when you were not born again, your righteous behavior does not make you righteous. So you come to the table. Notice what he says in, in verse 5 in Psalm 23. You prepare a table before me. Watch what happens at this table. And it's a covenant table. I'm going to tie it to communion specifically. It's a covenant table foreshadowing Christ, my shepherd. Who because of my because he is my shepherd, I shall not lack any good thing because that's what he's promised in his covenant. And so in this covenant, I come to the table and notice what happens. He anoints my head with oil. That means I have the mind of Christ. The first thing that should be affected when you come to the table of the Lord. Is your mind. The anxious mind must flee. The alcoholic mind must flee. The angry mind must flee. The addicted mind must flee. And the anointed mind of Christ is what I remember. You anoint my head with oil. And for some of you, you need to know this. I really, I really sense this. I wasn't going to say this because, it's again, I can chase ten different rabbits and do 10 different sermons today. But it's not, when it talks about your head in the Bible, it's not just talking about like your, your, let me see if I get this right, your cabeza. Is that right in Spanish? La cabeza. Donde esta la cabeza? Aquí. Is that right? I think it's right. Okay. So it's not just your head. It's not just your noggin. It's not just, it's not just your head. It speaks to your mindset, your perspective, but it also speaks to your assignment and headship in the sense of what has God assigned you to be, do, have, and give. Your positional, your influence. So when he says he anoints your head with oil, he's not talking about doing something with shampoo for your hair. And he's not just talking about your mindset. He is talking about that, but your mindset going to to this next part where, where even the position that you hold with the gifting that God has given you and the influence that God has made available to, to you, that there will be the anointed mind of Christ, not just in you, but on you. 
for the position that you hold. That when other people watch you do what God's created you to do, they don't say, wow, you're awesome. They say, that's too good to be you. So when you come to the table of the Lord, you're, you're, the anointed mindset is my my. He, you know, my head, he's anointing my head with oil means he, he's empowering my person and my purpose. He's doing both. And then the next thing is my cup overflows. So this cup that represents the cup of the Lord of, and the, the blood, which is the covenant of the Lord, that is this agreement and covenant relationship, it overflows that what God does in me, he does through me and begins to, to, to lead and help other people. It's not just about me. Matter of fact, nudge your neighbor and say it's not just about you. That he wants to overflow through you to other people. And so what I want to show you is these few things about the Lord's table is a place to, and I want to walk this out. I want to walk this out. Um, and here's what I want to do. I want four people, four people to bring their sheets, four people who want to come to my table, four people who want to come to my table, <laughs> and there better be four. I'm going to be rejected. Four people, bring your communion cup and bring uh, your, your sheet, summer note with you, and bring a pen. Four people who want to come to my table, come on up. Okay, four more people. Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Y'all come on up. Two on one side, two right here, and two right here. I don't want to block the view of the camera. Everybody's got to look pretty in front of the camera. Matter of fact, why don't y'all smile at the camera real quick? See? <laughs> All right. So here's the deal. You can put your sheets right here for a second if you want to. So I'm going to teach y'all, but I'm teaching y'all. I'm teaching y'all, but I'm going to teach y'all. So the first thing that happens at a table, now there's two tables. The first table is me, every, step away, everybody step away, step away. The first table is me and the Lord. You need a private table with you and the Lord. You need private time, meaningful time with you and God. So he can, can anoint your head with oil, your cup begins to overflow, he begins to feed you, and, and you guys, for the sake of the sermon today, are playing the enemy. That's who you're playing today. You're at the table, so I need to come be with the Lord. Because watch this. When I'm with the Lord at the table and I start my day from the presence of the Lord, even with the presence of my enemy, then through the, and I leave my table and go into my day and I see the enemy all day long, doesn't bother me one bit because at the beginning of my day, I notice who is in charge. Some of us start our day in our nice little bubble with Jesus. And we go and the enemy throws an attack and it throws us for a loop. When you eat at the table with the Lord and you remember who he is, you remember who you are, and you do these five, one, two, five things, then, then you, you do them personally, privately, and then you do them with a the group. There's two realms of it. Do it personally and privately, then with a the group. Okay, so come to the table. Now, this is like a life group. This is where I have, have my boys. I got my painter boy. I got my fishing boy. <laughs> I don't even know what you do. And you need to get a job. That's all I'm saying. Oh, you work here. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. Praise the Lord. <laughs> now, I'm never going to do it, but you need to go fishing with him. He'll hook you up. Ain't that, ain't that right, Sid? So. 
So when we look at this, the first one, you can write this on your, on your notes. The first one is to connect. That you need to connect with the Lord and with the Lord's people. There's connection. There's got to be connection. There's got to be this place of connecting. You cannot connect. Some of us make superficial connections in social media and stuff, and it's not healthy and it's not good to make our main connection there. It needs to be face-to-face. It needs to be there. We need to, like, smell Dickie's beard. We need to be there. <laughs> we need to, we need to, so you need connection with the Lord and with the Lord's people. So listen to me, some of you guys, now hopefully not you, you're too young, but some of you guys know that, that when you went into certain sin and you went into certain darkness, the enemy provided certain relational connections within that darkness to solidify that sin and that darkness in your life. And so that even after you wanted to break the addiction and you wanted to break the chain of the addiction, the relationships around that addiction kept you in it. Even when you were done with the substance, the social network kept you bound. So you got to change your connections. You got to change your connections. You got to start connecting with the Lord. And you got to start connecting with God's people. Because if you make new connections in the kingdom of God with God's people, it will be a gravitational pull to pull you into the thing that, that is the center of their connection. It'll be a prophetic pull from your God-given future to pull you into something. Just like the enemy uses ungodly connection to keep you bound into something. One is a chain holding you back. The other is a rope pulling you forward. You got to change your connection. Matter of fact, tell you never change your connection. You do it at a table. You do it at a table because it's covenant. See, the center of this connection is the covenant of the Lord. We're gathering not just to hear about Mike and not just to hear about Dickie, and, uh, but we're gathering to talk about the Lord in Mike and the Lord in Dickie. We're gathering Jesus at the center. So we need that sense of connection. The next one, we need a sense of to confront. You need to confront the lies that you have learned to live with. You need to confront them. you got to confront those lies. If you don't confront the lies that you have learned to live with, you will be a slave to those lies for the rest of your life. And you will be bound to the connections that you want to get away from, but you feel like you can't. New connections can help you see new truths. You need to break the lie. You need to confront the lie. And sometimes you have, you, not sometimes, all the time we have blind spots. You need other people to come help you confront the lies in your life. Because every destructive behavior is fueled by a false belief. So when you sin and you repent of your sin, you don't repent of what, just what you did. You repent of why did I do it? Why was that a good idea to me? If you don't undermine, if you don't get at the root of it and begin to realize that, that, listen, that's who I was. That's not who I am. I'm a new creation in Christ. God's grace has totally redeemed me and set me free. I am complete in Christ. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. So why am I going to go look to something else? And, and so you want to confront these lies in relationships with people who see from the perspective of Christ. Because here's what they're going to do. They're not just going to see the outward appearance. 
They're not just going to look at all that you've done. In Christ, they're going to recognize you're righteous. And Dickie may say, yeah, but I, I messed up last night. Okay, what you did last night didn't change your, state, your position of righteousness. You are complete in Christ. You're a new creation in Christ. Now, do you want to be responsible with that or irresponsible? And you begin to have relational, relational discipleship building confrontation of like, why do you keep thinking that? And see, now when he's blaming every, his mama and everybody else for the things in his life, he has a friend in Christ who will come and say, you're believing a lie. And I'm not going to believe that lie with you. I love you enough to speak the truth. Do you want to stay in your sin or do you want to walk into all that Jesus has with you? You are believing a lie. Quit acting like a victim. Quit it. Stop it. Crucify it. Some of you right now need to be at a table where somebody will confront in your life what you're not willing to confront. That's the victory that's awaiting you. The next one is to confess. you got to confess your sin and your salvation. Confess means to say the same thing as. Confess means to say the same thing as. So you have to confess your sin. Now listen, believe it or not, you're already forgiven. In Christ, you're already forgiven. But you are saying what God says about your sin. But let salvation and faith have the final word. So here's what that looks like. So I'm, I'm, I'm approaching Dickie in our group here. And I'm saying, listen, you can confront your sin. And here's how I know you can confront your sin. Okay, because I used to do the same thing that you did and God delivered me and God put somebody in my life to help stand with me in agreement to confront the sin that was destroying my life. And the way to confront it is to confess it. But you can't just confess your sin because if you confess your sin the wrong way, it'll rebirth in you a mentality of sin. So you confess your sin and your salvation. That, Lord, I know I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, but I, last Sunday or last Wednesday or last night, I forgot who I was. I lost my mind. And I walked right into sin. And what I did, this action or this mentality or this sin, is sin. It's not, it's not, it's not righteous. It's not good. It doesn't honor you. It doesn't benefit me. It's not the thing you created me for. So I say what you say about sin. It's not your will, and I don't want it. I don't need it, I don't want it, and I won't have it. So I repent and change the way I think. I say what you say about my sin, but I say what you say about me. And on the day that you sin, the thing you need to hear is you are the righteousness of God in Christ. He has made you perfect. You are complete in Christ, lacking nothing. Not for the purpose of, woo, I'm free, I can go sin. But for the purpose of sin has no dominion over me. Because I'm no longer under the law, I'm empowered by grace. Does that make sense? So you got to confess it. And then the thing is you got to care for one another. Because walking through that can be a hard process. And so you got to care for one another. This is what a group does. This is what a life group does. You care for one another. You got to love for you, pray for one another, listen to one another, help one another, walk alongside with one. I know this is hard, man. I know this is tough. And some, <clears throat> and sometimes caring for them is, you know what? 
And I was going to pull out some cash, but I gave all my cash to donuts this morning. So you can have a donut if you need one. That's how I'm going to care for you. Then pay for all the donuts. Um, but, but I can come. I can pray for you. And when you're going through a struggle, I can weep with you. When you're in a financial need, I can give to you. I can, I can help care for you. And that's what we do. The last one is commission. That means we help commission and remind one another why we're here at this table. And when I say this table, in context, I just haven't had the time to walk it all out. I'm talking about life groups. I said my, my personal table and then a table of what we call here at the church life groups, small groups. You need a table for you and the Lord because listen to me. Your table with your life group will not replace your private table with the Lord. And your private table with the Lord will not replace your life group. You come to the Lord and you come to the Lord's table. And when you come to the Lord's table, you're beginning to talk about all these things, all these elements. We're connecting. We're confronting. We're confessing. We're walking in all these different things. We're caring for one another. And then we're reminding each other, you got a purpose. Young man, you got a purpose. You got a purpose. And it's not to be social media famous. You got a purpose. God created you with gifting and with power. He created you and he put you in your mama's family and he put you in, in, in the color of skin that you have and he put you in your gender and he put you in this generation. He could have put you in my generation. He could have put you in, in their generation. <laughs> but he put you in this generation because he's commissioned you and you got a purpose and I know the enemy attacks you and I know you get hit and I know you get hurt, but you need to remember you got a purpose. And the purpose is bigger than going to church. The purpose is being the church. And there's no greater call that you can give yourself to than the call of Christ. Fulfilling the great commandment. Hearing God, knowing God, being a disciple. And fulfilling the great commission of making other disciples. That's your purpose. That's your assignment. And to remember, this is a group, man. This is like battle buddies. This is a group to come together and come to the table. And so, guys, open up your communion. And everybody around me, here's what I want you to do. Everybody in the audience, this is what I want you to do. I want you to... And worship team, go ahead and come on up. I want you to... What do I want you to do? I want you to feel free if, if you can or whatever. You know, you don't, not, not everybody has to move, but find not just the person you're sitting by. If that works for you, let it work for you. But if somebody's around close to you, go sit by your battle buddies. Just, I give you permission to get up. Don't leave your kids. Get up. And if you can, if you can't because you're kids, I understand. If you can't go to your battle buddies, at least look at them. Like Look at them and be like, I got you. But if you can, go sit with your battle buddies. You got it? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and open up the bread and open up the juice. And I want to walk us through something. Now, my assignment for you, yeah, you can keep going. You're good. You're good. Now, if you sit down next to somebody and like, hey, battle buddy, and they got a rude look on their face, you better find another buddy. 
Better find somebody else. And if you're here and you're like, I ain't got nobody. I ain't got nobody. Then you need to start working in your life. Don't come to Pastor John thinking I'm going to play eHarmony. It ain't going to happen. You need to start coming early, staying late, introducing yourself to people. And for some of you, for some of you, the first step in that is right after service. For those who want to be a part of this thing we do at church called Discovery, it's where you can find out, is this the church family for you? It's just a four Sunday nights that we come back, and, and because we have such a big group, normally we meet at our house, but we have so many people, we're going to meet at the church. So um, we're going to start that next week. But for those who say, hey, I want to find out if this is the church family for me, the first group for you to be a part of is that discovery group. And right after church today, we're going to have a in, just really quick, it's going to be a really quick thing, an info meeting about that for those who say, hey, I want to join Discovery. Some of you have already registered. Some of you have not yet registered. You can stay after service, and we'll, we'll give you the quick information of how you can get plugged in on that. And that can be your first step in finding your group. All right, so now let's imagine you've already had your table time with the Lord. Here's what I want you to do. We've already connected. We're passing the first part. We've already connected. Now, I want you to try to do this. I'm going to give you a short amount of time to do this. I want someone. Don't do it over somebody else. This is not for you to be the, the righteousness police. This is for somebody to own up for themselves. Somebody in the group needs to verbally confront a lie that they know they've learned to live with, but God wants them to live free from. And it, it could be fear. It could be anxiety. It could be whatever it is. You, we don't need the long story. But somebody share in the group a lie or share with somebody next to you a lie that you have you've drank the Kool-Aid. Which, by the way, that reminds me of something. When it talks about the elements, this is funny. Excuse me. It's the elements. One day, Sergeant Booth, I was in the military, and we first had communion. In Jesus' name, we had communion with bunny bread and Kool-Aid. It's not about the substance. It's about the meaning you give to the substance. Okay? So somebody in your group and in this group, somebody share some, a lie that you know that God is trying to free you from. Okay, once you shared something like that, now I want you to confess. But when you confess, it's a two-sided coin. You're saying what God says about the sin that you did, but you also have to say what God says about your salvation, what God says about you. So whoever wants to confess.
So we're going to move to care. Now, this is where you just give a big old hug and say, I love you. Hang on. I see some looks. I see some looks. I see some looks. I got to confront something because we're family. I see some looks. Everybody who says this is dumb and meaningless, repent. Your pride and your arrogance is keeping you from experiencing something supernatural. Don't blame me for your selfishness and your pride thinking you didn't get nothing out of church today. The reason why you didn't is because you're arrogant and you're prideful and I'm tired of it. We're talking about holy things. And we're having revival up here. And you're sitting here worried about this and worried about that. That's why you don't get nothing when you come to church. Because your attitude stinks. So stop blaming me. Because you can't listen and walk by faith. Sorry for those who are at home. I don't know what you were doing, but if you were doing what they were doing, there you go. Commission. The next one is commission. In your own way, remind them that their time with the Lord is the most important thing, the great commandment. And remind them their table with the Lord is the most important thing. And remind them that bringing others to the table of the Lord and great commission is their second most important thing. Okay, now grab the elements, grab the bread in your group. I'm telling you, if you will walk this out, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says the, the newly, the disciples who were uh, born again and then 3,000 were baptized in water, the very next thing says they devoted themselves to the, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to prayer, and to breaking of bread, meaning communion. And that's what you need to do. Devote yourself to this. Find a life group. Find, find a group. Find your own table with the Lord and find another table. And come and start breaking bread. Doesn't have to be every day, but it can be. But you break bread and you do these things and you walk in this thing and you watch how the kingdom of God will start overflowing. Your cup will runneth over that's what will happen so when Jesus went to the cross and I want you to look at the bread and I want you to break it just look at the bread and just break it 
because the body of Jesus was broken for you, crucified for you, and not just crucified for you, but crucified to the person on your left and crucified for the person on your right. Crucified for you and crucified for the people who are not in this room yet. And in this, by his sacrifice and by his body, it's the children's bread. We have healing from him. We have wholeness from him. In his brokenness, we have been made whole. We have been made new. And we come to this covenant table of the Lord to remember that we are his. He is king. He is Lord eternal. And we are his offspring. We are the church of the living God. We are not who we used to be. We are new creations in Christ. And the living bread of Jesus is our food. And we eat this bread in remembrance of Christ. And this is the blood of the new covenant. It's what Jesus said. The blood that speaks better things over us under the better covenant of the Lord, the new covenant of God. The blood that washes away our sins and redeems us completely. The blood that gives new life. That without this blood, there would be no remission or shedding of sins. And so the blood of Jesus is the fulfillment and redemption of our covenant with Christ. Makes us whole, makes us new. By the bread of the Lord, by the blood of the Lord, and by the spirit of the Lord. We are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, and a holy nation. And we remember who he is and we remember who we are in Jesus name. Thank you, my brothers. You can go sit down. This is what I want us to do. You can pass your trash uh, maybe to the aisles, some aisle around you, and then somebody act like an usher and take them to the. We all get a part to play in this. So guys, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to open up the altars. We're, if, you, if you, for some reason, need to leave, you can feel free to leave if you need to. But just let the kids, they can, they can roam around, not like totally roam around, but within an area, because we're just going to worship the Lord. I would like the prayer team to come up front. Because here's what I want to tell you. I'm so thankful for Jeff preaching last week and all the souls that were saved last week and who are going to be baptized really soon. we got a river baptism coming up. But if you're here, if you're here, and, and, and really I should have done this before, but if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, if you're here and you never, if you never came and believed that Jesus is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead, and you stop running from God and you literally come to Him in prayer and yield and surrender your life to Jesus, believing He is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead. If you've never done that, then the Bible says you're not born again. And so if you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I've never done that, then you need to come to one of these people and, and, and pray and say, hey, I want to give my life to the Lord. If you're here and you have a friend 
a loved one that is far from God, I want you to come this morning to one of these people and pray with them by name. Pray with them that they would come to the Lord. And if you need prayer for anything else, you can come during this worship time and we'd love to pray for you. Let's worship the Lord. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.